Hour two of the game, Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale. That's it. Just us. Yeah. Just us. You know, I'm going to I'm gonna take it easy on him because it's his wedding anniversary today. Congratulations, him and Heidi. Fantastic. 15 years. That's mm-hmm. great. Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to roast him like a Talking about duck. Brandon Peoples. Yeah, BP. BP oil spill. If you're listening to the podcast, you didn't hear it just moments ago, but uh, old Brandon Peoples, who was doing the 5 o'clock news for us. Yeah. He said, uh, back to the game in just a moment with Mitch and Troy. Yeah. And I thought we were boys, man. You know? But it's like I said, I'm going to I'm gonna take it easy. It's wedding anniversary today. That's great. Tomorrow, I'm going to crush Well, him. he left Sage out as well. Say, oh, yeah, that's right. Save it till after 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. Yep. Okay, just thank you. Yeah. After that, I'm going to go. I'm going to create a fake Twitter profile. I'm going to go on Twitter and be like, you know who I hate? And Brandon Peoples. He also didn't mention Big Steve, but I wouldn't either. He's such a turd. I I wouldn't not even bother with it. (laughs) You are angry. Bitter. Table Uh of one. (laughs) Here. Hey, if you missed any of uh, the first hour, which it was uh, in a way eventful. Yeah. Check out our podcast, newsradiokman.com. You can also search for The Game KMAN on SoundCloud and also wherever you get your podcasts. Again, just search for The Game KMAN and uh, you'll find us as our numbers are just absolutely through the roof right now. And thank you so much for listening to the show. During the updates, you've heard Troy mention that K-State football has determined the three kickoff times in TV destinations for the first three games of the season. Those happen to be the non-con, and will feature South Dakota, Missouri, and Tulane all coming into Manhattan, Kansas. Mm-hmm. September 3rd against South Dakota, September 10th against Mizzou, and September 13th against the Green Wave. So that's three straight games, three straight Saturdays. Those kickoff times and TV destinations are South Dakota will be a 6 o'clock kick on ESPN Now, Big 12 Now on ESPN+. Plus. You'll have uh, September 10th, Missouri. That's an 11 a.m. kickoff on ESPN2. September 17th, Tulane is 2 o'clock. And that'll be Big 12 now on ESPN+. Plus. couple of notes here. For the first time since 2001, K-State will play Missouri at 11 a.m. Now, there are many times that they would kick off at 1130. Mm, yes. One time they kicked off at 1145. Mm. But... It's been 23, make that 20, uh, 23, make that uh, 21 years mm-hmm. that uh, K-State and Mizzou have kicked off at 11 a.m. And then the Tulane game, the 2 o'clock game, that's the first time we'll have a 2 o'clock kickoff at the Bill since Louisiana Tech, the three-overtime game in 2015. Uh-oh. That was a bit of a grinder. Yeah. I think we all know Mizzou's trash. <laughs> and K-State's going to be pretty good. Yeah, baby. I. You know what? As I get older... I kind of appreciate the 11 a.m. kickoffs a little bit more. Mm. I know it's early for some. You know, I used to get up super early in the morning. Troy's taking over that job. He's now the captain of the of the morning show. DG's been getting up at, what, 4.30, 5 o'clock every morning for seven years? Yes. Yes, I have. It's a, It sucks. And, though, the 11 o'clock is perfect. I think the night games, it, it, that's a slog, man. Especially, like, you add in, you get a little older, you got the wife, you got the kid. It is a whole production. So it's a long day, especially if you're at home watching football and then you go to tailgate, you get there when the thing opens. Also, what I worry about, like it's nothing to do with the kickoff of 
South Dakota. But here's what I worry about. Of course, exit reentry. Uh-huh. Some love it. Some don't. Right. Uh, for me, obviously, it doesn't matter. I would just like the bill to be able to sell some beer and people buy that beer and yeah. stay in the stadium and it looks good for the third quarter. The Ring of Honor is going to take place at the South Dakota game. Oh, boy. And it's most likely, you know, there's they're going to be honored at halftime. And I don't want that whole thing to take place in front of a stadium that's half full. Yeah. And most of those people are just going to the parking lot, probably don't expect to come back in, so they can go drink in the parking lot while you have some of the best K-State football players of all time being honored. Oh, man. And this is a heck of a class. Heck of a class going in. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Oh, no. What do you do? Just what about for one game you can't? You know, you just got ah, eh, for this one. We just well, I mean, hopefully they'll you know, fans will show their respect for who's being honored. I say you just gently, kind of gently shoulder check. If someone's leaving, the the, the people in the, the the people at the door. I get what you're saying now. Should yes. just kind of shoulder yeah, and go, hey, 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 you like know. the security people. Yeah, hey, watch where you're going. Hey, mm-hmm. or just go, or you go. You thump him and you go, hey, L. Roberson's down there, the Ring of Honor. Did you see him? Hey, you see him? Probably haven't seen him here since 2003. Go ahead. Go check it out and just give a light tap. No, don't push or shove. Just, you know, a little body check. Or like get in their face. Oh, hey, do you guys know uh, this thing's going on down there? Did you see it? Did you see it? Yep. Did you see it? Did you see it? Or make it? him feel oh. guilty. Yeah. Like, oh, I thought you were a K-State fan. Oh, I thought you were a Maybe true fan. Far, I heard but... you were a true fan is what I was been, I've been told. Mitch shouting out at people f- via the oh, PA Oh, man. You, oh, boy. The thing is, you over there, Section 12, oh, get your butt back in here. Th- that would keep people in. The, the, that, would, that would definitely keep them in. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it, I, that wouldn't work. That wouldn't think go over so well. off one no, by one no. via PA. For some reason, I feel like they'd find another guy, you know, after <laughs> that. Oh, that's good. But, yeah. but the thing is, I don't know if there's any other time they could do it, but a halftime, you know. Sure, sure. I mean, if they take the, I doubt they would take like prior to kickoff to do something like that. You know, maybe like a senior day type of timing, yeah. but then you don't have to maybe cheap out on the bios. The only time, the only time I have ever seen anything happen pregame was Bill Snyder's return game. The family yeah, yeah, reunion. Yeah. That was the only time I ever saw anything happen pregame. It's always at halftime. Well, that that was also the game they also um, started the big screen in the south end zone. Yes, yes. So that they made a big deal about that. It was a huge deal. Illinois um, State. Yeah. <laughs> and they went for two at the end. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> Ron Prince's first game, Ron, obviously. Yeah. But they, that was also when they named the stadium Bill Snyder Family Stadium. There's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. I remember also K-State did, um, like, for an intro, like when they turned on the video board, they did, like, a Saturday Night Live intro for the players. Oh, wow. And I have not seen that video since they aired it at the game. Uh-oh. I've they- looked for it before. But I remember, like, when they turned on the screen, they had, like, you know, they had, like, some – pretend construction workers down there. I don't remember exactly, but they had like some people below it. And they're like, live from Manhattan, it's Saturday night. And they kicked off, and it's Saturday night. At Ron Prince, Dylan Meyer. Wow. Wow, that's taking it way back, man. Jeez. I don't remember that, but if somebody can get that for us. Oh, yeah, if anybody listening, I send it to my email. I'm sure you get it. Yeah. Uh, if not, you already have it, I'm sure. 
Um, I would love to see that video again. Wow, that's that, what, that was a throwback too. I, I I think about it once in a while, and I look on YouTube and I can't find it. Uh, I think it used to be on there at one point. Dang it! But man, that was a talk about a nail biter of the game for the first one of the new head coach. <gasps> I think t- it was twenty four twenty three was the final. Yeah, that's a rough one. Don't blame Illinois State at all for going nope. for it at the end. Play spoiler. <sighs> Uh, I used to think that big screen in the south end zone. I mean, and at the time, I'm sure like everybody thought like that was just the most badass thing you can imagine <laughs> yeah. at, a, at a stadium. Yeah. We, we were so used to that small TV in the north end zone. Then we got this thing that's like quadruple the size. Oh, man. Small TV. Yeah. I, I remember the old dot matrix beast um, where we used to mock the fact when they would run the uh, power cat logo kind of swooping across from the left to the right. There was a point where it looked like the Iowa Hawkeye. Oh, if you just got it just right. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. God. Hmm. I just remember that when we played Central Florida and that shelf cloud came through and there was all those oh. great pictures and so many people across the country were like, look at their screen. Tiny. It, it, yes. <laughs> Look at that TV they have up there. Yeah. And I was so embarrassed. I hadn't ever, it never really crossed my mind. Honestly. I always, I mean, maybe as a little kid, like going yeah. to a game in like 97 or whatever, sure. it was just, you know, it was a big screen. I'll air quote there or, you know, do the uh, air quotations. Uh, and then, like, as I got older, I was like, you know, that's not that great. It's like, tiny. it's not very big. It's tiny. And then we got the new one in the South End. So I was like, this is way better. Yeah. Way better. And now, like, that's Oof. laughable compared to what we have today. As a matter of fact, it's got to be one of the best in the country when it comes to great view Man. or access to a big screen in any direction. Man, it looks good in there. It really it is. It's hard for me from Growing up here and watch, like seeing what it was to now, it's hard for me to get back into the game sometimes because I'm just like, you look around and you're like, this place is gorgeous, man, and it's got all the stuff you want. It's cool. Going to games is great. Have you ever been to Boone Pickens? No, but I heard that's not a great place. So I do not like Boone Pickens Stadium. Yeah. Now, the outside looks like a Taj Mahal. The inside just looks like a... They just found a bunch of scrap metal at a scrap yard. They welded it together and made bleachers out of it. Yikes. Bleachers you can't even get to via stairs. you got to climb over other rows to get there. It's a mess. Ooh. And also, if you're down too low, you, you can't even see half the field. And the, you know, the incline is not high enough or whatever. It's just not great. Unless you're high enough. Oil but money. also, they have the giant big screen on the east side of the stadium. It's huge. If I was going from west to east, like if I was offensively going eastbound, that would be a distraction. Yeah. And also they were doing this thing where if you're, the opponent was kicking field goals to the east, they would put up like fake uprights on oh. the video board and, to try to make it look like yeah, like oh. it blended in. Yeah. And you couldn't tell which one was the real one. Oh, that's messed up. It was cheap. Oh, that's That was a cheap up. move. I, I has the conference even said anything to them? Yeah, about they that can't one? do it anymore. Okay. Ugh. Yes. Yeah. I I don't remember. I've only been once, and I don't think they did it then. But the thing is so big, and it's so close to the field. Mm-hmm. It, it has to be a distraction for those going to the east. I don't know how you mm. you got to really focus to keep that out of your mind because you're basically watching the play. But it's like you know, of course, it's sideways. Yeah. Maybe you could use it to your advantage if you're a quarterback, your blind side. Yeah. Sure. One of the things that. We always laughed about, and it was atrocious to try and watch video of a game afterwards, but Portland State, before they built their new arena, 
had gotten a hold of the old video board that was at the municipal stadium downtown because the soccer team had taken over. The Portland Thunder had taken that facility over and they were in the process of upgrades and all of that. So the video board was was coming out. So they hung the video board in a 1,000-seat arena. Oh, no. <laughs> at one end of the arena. Oh, no. It was like... You could just light the whole arena from the saying. video board. It was <laughs> yeah. it was hilarious. Yeah. Oh, it was so weird. That's funny. That's kind of how I feel in Kaufman. That video board is so big. Yeah. It's hard not to just stare at it. It really, like, it, I don't know what it is about it. I can't keep my eyes off of it. And that would be just like the Portland State of like, wow. Well, if I'm not mistaken, it's one of the very few video boards you'll find in baseball that's in straightaway center. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. And, but it's still high enough, high enough in how it's built that it's not in the batter's eye. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so strange though. It's gorgeous and it looks great. It's, it's wonderful, but I cannot stop looking at it. When I go, I'm just fixated yeah, on let, it. Left field at the Rockies game has become that as well because oh. it's such a huge board. Good God. Look at that. Yeah, thing. exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. When we come back, we're, we're completely off topic. When yeah. we come back, we'll get to <laughs> uh, what I did want to talk about, you know. <laughs> Who doesn't like a good conversation about video boards? <laughs> it's such a key part of the game. It really is, actually. It is. It is. I mean, Especially now, I love I love that you can watch, you're allowed to watch, the like, programs are allowed to put the video replays, like if yes. there's a review, yes. they can actually put it on the scoreboard so you can watch it. Big. They do it every, every game for baseball. They don't do it for basketball, but football as well. Yes. Football, you can also watch the replay. I um, mean, they also have like a, the clock at the bottom. You can watch uh, how long it takes, and we always know it usually goes way too long. <laughs> yeah. All right, when we come back, I do want to talk about the linebacker K-State got a couple of days ago and a couple of Coach Tang quotes from a Cap Packers event. That's next. Oh, I made a mistake. We are talking 06 Cats because we were talking video boards. <laughs> and Illinois State, so that first year, Ron Prince – the game after beating Texas, Ugh. it was that first one against KU for Ron Prince, and oh my God, what a disaster that was! Like, I shouldn't have shouldn't have fallen down this rabbit hole because what a just an absolute nightmare of the game that was. Josh Freeman, who's coming off just the game of his life as a true freshman, being the fourth ranked Longhorns, he turns the ball over six times in Lawrence. Not K State turning the ball over. Josh Freeman turned the ball over six times against a defense that was one of the worst in the country. Yeah, that that's boy. I'll tell you what, that's that 06 season had a lot of downers and a couple of uppers. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And that was the despite a winning season. That was a perfect song to go along with <laughs> the reminders of the Ron Prince era. I just such a just ugh, God. Anytime I think about it, I just uh, – it, it's a total bummer, man. What a bummer. That guy stunk. Boy, what a fickle offense really was, despite you know, Thomas Clayton, mm-hmm. James Johnson. Ooh. James Franklin uh-huh. was the offensive coordinator. Uh-huh. Now he's uh, – they didn't have a great year last year, but he's at Penn State. Mm-hmm. People love him. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's, let's get some K-State topics, more K-State topics in here, including uh, this new linebacker. 
That's going to become a K-State Wildcat. If you listen, usually on Wednesdays we have Derek Young from K-State Online, and for the last couple of weeks we've been talking about the status of Gavin Forsha. Tyler Juco, linebacker, 6'3", 215 from Nashville, Tennessee, Music City, USA. D.Y. felt very comfortable saying that Gavin Forsha was taking his time, but he was going to pick K-State after it's all said and done. And it came down to a couple schools, it sounds like, K-State and USC. will suck at Lincoln Riley. He's coming to K-State. I was really hoping he would uh, because I like what he has to offer. Again, good size, 6'3", 215, and he's got three years of eligibility remaining. He played 11 games at the JUCO level. He has two other guys that's going to be on this K-State team from that very same school, Tyler Community College, including Kobe Savage, who's going to be in that secondary for K-State. And he's talented. And I know K-State really wanted to go get another linebacker, add to the depth after uh, Brandon Jennings left. So they had to go get some guys. And I think he's going to be a good fit. Now, it, it does bring up the question, like, will he play this year? And I think there's definitely, I mean, could definitely redshirt him, kind of go the Nick Allen route where Nick Allen is definitely going to be a backup linebacker this year, probably second string is my guess, with with the two main linebackers most likely going to be uh, Will Honus and, of course, Deuce Green. But Will Honus is my prediction. But Crew Jackson, Austin Moore, Nick Allen, going to be some guys that are definitely going to step in. I, you know, It makes me wonder, a guy like Toby Osinsami from Wichita East, like will he be able to step in as a true freshman mm-hmm. and be an impact player, four-star kid? Can he come in right away and and make an impact? I certainly hope he does. But I think also Gavin Forsha, like time will tell, but he could definitely have his opportunity. I think he's a great fit when it comes to adding depth. I mean, he had seven sacks in one game this past year, and I watched a lot of film on him today. He is the type of guy, like, if he gets your his hands on you, you're going down. You're going to have to drag him if you're going to pick up yards. He just has those sticky hands to go get a go get a quarterback or go get a ball carrier or whoever has the ball. I really like that about him. He flies to the football. He, he reads the backfield. He's talented. But I mentioned Nick Allen. The way Nick Allen started at K-State was special teams. He played a lot of special teams before he got that true opportunity to be a backup linebacker. And he was great on special teams this last year or two years ago. He... I remember last year calling his name a few times because he was making some special team tackles. Well, Gavin Forsha also played a ton of special teams for Tyler Juco where he would be on kickoff coverage, punt coverage, and he would fly down the field and make tackles. That guy was a gunner down the field. And you, you want to talk about, a, you know, of course, a program that takes special teams very seriously, mm-hmm. special teams you. I mean, this is the guy that's going to go fly down the field for you and make it hard for a team to reach the 20-25-yard line. So at the very least, I think that's what you're going to get out of Gavin Forsha if he does play this year. But, of course, the redshirt rule, he can play four games and still redshirt. So uh, I, I hope we do mm-hmm. get to see him on the field this year. I'm excited to uh, see him play. Now, when it comes to K-State men's basketball, interesting stuff here. I give Kellis Robinette the uh, credit here, putting out these uh, quotes on Twitter and also in an article, Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle. It's been a while since we've talked to Kellis here on the show. But at a catbacker event a couple of nights ago at uh, Children's Mercy Park, home of uh, Sporting KC, there in Kansas City. Shout out to KCK. 
So Coach Tang has been able to make the last couple of trips for the Catbackers event. I know he was down in uh, Emporia. Was it yesterday? Anywhere he they, was going, he was getting standing ovations. Yeah, they've been everywhere here recently. And, and popping the crowd with it's, it's a great day to be a Wildcat. He knows how to get the people going. But uh, there was a couple of quotes that did stand out. One of them was about Bruce Weber. And here's the quote. I want to say that Bruce Weber was a terrific basketball coach. And he was a terrific man. They just didn't get good enough players. That's just the bottom line. They didn't get him good players, get good enough players, his staff. So that is what we're going to do. We're going to get guys who can win games in the Big 12. Now, I, I think he, he's totally right. Um, but I remember, like, it made me flash back to, you know, the 2020 class that had Nigel Pack. Davion Bradford, Rudy Williams was in that class. Selton Miguel was in that class. There's like seven dudes in there. And I remember like going into that year very optimistic. Like that was a good class. And I don't really recall a time where Bruce Weber brought in a class and we thought, man, this doesn't look good. This doesn't look good at all. This isn't a good class. They're not very talented. Star ratings, national ratings, blah, blah, blah. Boy, this, this, this looks ugly. And there's only one time I can recall where Bruce Weber got a kid, transfer, and I was like, no, I don't want him. And I'll be quite honest with you. It was Casey Eziegu. UTEP coming from a terrible mm-hmm. team, and he played 13 minutes a game and grabbed, scored three points and three rebounds a game. I was like, you know, I don't get it. I don't get the fit. But I think the difference is, yeah, on paper, he brought in some guys that should have been good. It just didn't turn out that way with the exception of Nigel Pack. Transfer portal, especially this last year, um, was where Bruce Weber maybe did his best work in picking up some guys in the transfer portal. But that being said, I mean, Coach Tang, is it's quite clear, he doesn't want the three-star guys. He wants four and five stars. That's the big difference. Those are the guys that go win Big 12 games. But I think we've known that for a while. I just thought it was interesting that Bruce Weber was brought up at the Catbackers event. I really thought that was really interesting. Giving Bruce Weber a tip of the cap, but Coach Tang saying, and I like him saying it honestly, that we're going to go after guys that are considered above average at K-State. So I'm all all on about that. Now another quote was about having at least 10 on the roster. Now, I'm going to paraphrase that, but 10 on the roster seems like a lower number than what we've heard in the past because there's still six scholarships available. And to get to 10, that's adding three more guys. Now, Coach Tang is saying we could definitely play. I mean, the minimum goal is 10, and we could definitely play with that. It's not ideal. The ideal would be 13, fill up all the spots. But he says we don't have to get 13, and I, I, I believe that. But I think the the – the number has been dropping back a little bit, and this is just my opinion. But maybe it's because, I don't know, I don't want to say things like maybe they got ahead of themselves, you know, with saying we want to go get these type of guys, and maybe just a little bit of, you know, took some hits in the recruiting battles and realizing that recruiting Manhattan, Kansas, is extremely difficult. I totally believe in Coach Tane, and, you know, there's nothing to believe that he won't get it done. Because he's done it before. He's absolutely done it before. 
But it could also be some time before he gets those guys that he wants. NBA draft process, we still have a couple of weeks, maybe two and a half before they start withdrawing their names. And, um, you know, it could be month, two months before we start seeing some more names being added. That way we consider guys that could lead this program and be the marquee guys that you can add to a class and lead Casey into the first year of Jerome Tang. Yeah, I um, uh, so many things to tackle here. I just want to ask, I, I want when someone, Lon Kruger, Lon Kruger set us up for the next 25, 30 years having to answer this crazy thing of, is Manhattan too difficult to recruit to? What's the difference between Manhattan, Kansas, and Stillwater, Oklahoma? Waterburger. That's it. That's the first thing that popped in my mind. And that's it. That's it. What's the difference between Manhattan and Ames, Iowa? What? What? what why? Why is Manhattan so much worse than those two places? And they can recruit people. They can bring in guys every year. They bring in different guys. But Manhattan, it's like. No, that absolutely not. But Stillwater, sure. Stillwater's in the middle of nowhere. Not necessarily. You still have easy access in and out of there from Oklahoma City in terms of proximity to where you're. For what? Well, for an airport. I mean. That comes to mind. I mean, Des Moines Moines for Ames and Oklahoma City for Stillwater. You you don't have to drive nearly the, the. mileage that you do to get we're, to Manhattan. We're talking I, about a kid. I'm not talking oh, about the, well, the, the guy and driving a plane. And if you say, hey, kid, it's going to take a little longer to drive there, they don't care. They're not going to care about that. If you say to the airport, we're going to go to the airport. Like, if you're losing a battle because of the proximity to an airport, you're not recruiting. You're not a good recruiter. I really, I truly believe that. I think if you can't recruit someone to Manhattan, Kansas, because – Stillwater has a better proximity to an airport. You're a bum. I think more than that, though, it's it's that it's that there's a proximity to things that are going on, and you know, guys would go over to Des Moines from Ames. Not that there's a whole lot going on in Des Moines. So to be why perfectly not? honest, <laughs> come on. I just, I'm sorry. I <laughs> listen. I, I hey, know man, it sounds have crazy. You seen to the you? nightlife in Des Moines, Iowa? Get out of here. I'm over that. I'm over it. I'm not going to use that. I'm not going to say, you know what? You can't recruit to Manhattan, but you can recruit to Ames because they're closer to Des Moines, Iowa. Nobody gives two nothings about Des Moines, Iowa. Nobody cares. No one is It going- sounds crazy to you, but it doesn't sound crazy to the people that's recruiting here in Manhattan, Kansas, who have dealt with those issues before. If, if you ask recruiters, if you ask K-State football and how tough it is sometimes to recruit guys to Manhattan – compared to other places who they have to compete with, it really, truly is a factor. If, if you're like, hey, the difference between Ames and Manhattan is proximity to D- Des Moines, Iowa. Proximity to something. Right. Proximity to things to that Des are Moines, going Iowa. on. To Des Moines, Iowa. What's in Des Moines? What goes on in Des Moines? In the grand scheme of things, there are things there that people would participate kid, in. There's there, a downtown there's, district that college kids want to go out and have fun. Right. right. So they're going to hop in the car and, and drive to Des Moines to yeah. just to, to go to go hang out and for, for a black student athlete. There's not much to do in Manhattan, Kansas. And, like, and, and so right there, what's what's more? It, there's more things for a kid, a black student athlete to do in Des Moines, Iowa. I don't yes. know about from Des Moines, Iowa. Ames, Iowa, <laughs> that they would drive from Ames to Des Moines. They would they would they would rather do that. 
They would rather do that than just go, hey, Manhattan, not much to do. We're going to do our thing and hang out here in Manhattan. They would rather drive, get in the car and drive to Des Moines, Iowa. Get out how, town, how far is Des Moines town, to Ames? How far? How far is it? It's about not even 35 minutes. And, and so it's like, let's go. There's things, more things to do in Des Moines, Iowa for a black student athlete. Yes. How many? And what? I, I just, I think... That's uh, we're getting we're getting stuck on Des Moines, but it is I for me I don't buy it. I I think that if you go in with that mindset that you're going to lose out to a kid to Iowa State because of Des Moines, and if you asked every kid on the Iowa State roster, you go, how important is it that we're next to Des Moines? I don't think that that is on the top three ranking for every kid on that team. I don't think they go, yeah, proximity to Des Moines really means a lot to me. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. When Freud, Fred Hoiberg was there. They brought in transfer after transfer, and it wasn't because they were close to Des Moines. It was because they had a good culture, they had great coaches, and they said, we're going to get you the NBA. That's what it is. And to be to Des Moines, give me a break. Give me a break. No, I mean, I think you're making points. I mean, I think you're making good points. It just stinks. And But just from what I've heard in, in the past, what I've heard in the past, and I'm not going to start bringing up names, but the, it's been in the past where some, some great recruits – they don't come to Manhattan because uh, Manhattan doesn't have bottle service. Manhattan doesn't have concerts, live music for what black student athletes want to go see. That's where you got to go to places like Kansas City or Oklahoma City. Like for young people who are 18 to 22 years old, when, they're, when they want to go out and do something fun, for a lot of them, there's not much to do here in Manhattan. And I, I would say... In comparison, like the Midwest, if we're going to compare, I mean, Oklahoma City, when I go to Oklahoma City, I don't go, wow, this is worlds different than Manhattan. When I go to Iowa, I don't go, geez, way different. If the Midwest, if we're talking about the Midwest, I think if you're a black student athlete and you're talking about Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, and Iowa, there's, you're going to find a hard, you're, you're going to find it hard anywhere you go in the, in that proximity. Now, when you get to Texas, there's a lot more to do. Definitely. I, I can't, I Competing against Texas for Texas kids, I think, is extremely difficult. Well, and you hope when you're you're recruiting these kids, they want they're looking for a place to play football that they like the envi- environment's one thing, but they like the facilities, they like the culture, they want to come play football for a coach that knows how to coach. Will hopefully turn them into a great player, make them go to somewhere greater and play football. They have their mindset on the right things, learning football being good at football, make a team better, and they pick they want to pick K-State because they can grow into a better player. But for a lot of those out there that can go wherever they want and they're being recruited by every team in the in in the Power 5 ranking. Sometimes it does break down to those kind of things. And you know like and I I get that. I do. I totally understand that. I do. I do. But like I said, I will die on this hill. There ain't much difference in Iowa State and K-State and Oklahoma State. There is just not a big difference. To and you. Right. In their minds, there is. Right. It's like, and Well, that's Oklahoma w- State is also not the king of Oklahoma. That's the Sooners. Iowa State is not Iowa. And K-State has to compete with the Kansas Jayhawks in basketball recruiting. That's true. That's true. I, I mean, I think when a kid gets to Stillwater, they, they – would say the same thing. It's not much different. There might be a little bit of difference, but 
I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this to Manhattan. I'm not going to say, oh, it's so much different. No. I've been there. I've been to these places. And I look around and go, we could change it. We could change it as a community, as a, as a team. We could change a perception instead of continually going, yeah, well, it's really tough to recruit here. Stop with that. And tell them it's it is different. But if you ask me, like from what I've learned with about Coach Tang and this coaching staff, like they're not so much worried about that. Their main goal is to sell them on the program. Plus, on top of it, let's be honest. You're, when you're talking with about Jerome, you're talking about the fact that he recruited to Waco. Absolutely. So you know, there the, at a time when there, there's there's a, there's a similarity there that w- that you can look at between Waco as a community. Isolated away from Dallas, Manhattan. Isolated a bit away from Kansas City. I can get that. Is I have never thought about it like that. I have never because that's spot on. That is, and he did. They got everybody down there. I mean, they got everybody down there. And so, I don't think he ever said, "Hey, it's tough to recruit to here." Ever, you know? I don't think he ever said that when he was down in Waco, especially after. Coming off the heels of one of the biggest scandals in college bat, I mean oh. college sports history, I like the the idea that he wouldn't say stuff like that. I also I like that he did take a shot at Bruce Weber. I was, Bruce Weber burned it down as uh, his final press conference. He really scorched yeah. earth on us. So you know what, you had it coming anyway. Like I said, everything he said, it wasn't like it was uh, incorrect. No, or wasn't true. No. It was the the honest. And he, Bruce had – he had a – this goes all the way back to Illinois. He has a knack for getting good-looking classes that end up not panning out. A lot of those classes at Illinois, they had a lot of great guys, and they just didn't work out for whatever reason. I don't know what it was, but they didn't work out at all. And that kind of continued here. Number so. one song of the day next – In the middle of a good dream Like all at once I wake up From something that keeps knocking at my brain from 1970, I think I love you by the Partridge Family. Three weeks at number one. How is it we get two mentions of the Partridge Family during well, the show today? It just happened to be on my mind. <laughs> what is that? An American uh, musical sitcom. They're a made-up group, pretty much. Uh, yeah. The show starring starring Shirley Jones, uh, Danny Bonaducci. And also featured uh, David Cassidy. So what the Partridge family was about, a widowed mother and her five kids form a band and make a hit record, then travel around the country in a groovy school bus. The comedy contrasts life on the road with the cozy suburban life they return to after the show is over. There's feel-good music, hapless adults, scheming kids, a heartthrob teens, and uh, they're also throwing for good measure. So, four seasons, 96 episodes. They air on ABC and were canceled in 1974. It's a six and a half on IMDb. I've never in my life seen an episode of The Partridge Family. Me either. 
I, but I know who Danny Bonaducci is because yes. he's a train wreck. But I mean, never once watched it ever. Troy. A few reruns of it over the years, but you know, Brady Bunch usually had the uh, bulk of the rerun action going. So you were a because be- uh, I've seen a lot of Brady Bunch, a lot of Brady sure. Bunch. So not so much Partridge Family. Were no. they really singing? Were they? I'll, I'll get okay, you that yeah, here yeah, in yeah. just a second. Sorry. But um, so the Partridge Family, they went 96 episodes. Typically, when it comes to syndication, so like other channels running the reruns, you usually have to be at 100 episodes to get syndication. But they got it still. Uh-huh. Uh, they got it run on TV land. But I've still never seen it. Uh, but the Partridge Family, eight studio albums, seven top 40 hits, and this is their only number one, and it's from their first album, the Partridge Family album. Real creative. It was released, the album was released the same day the TV show went on the air, and two months, four days later, this song went number one. So, as I mentioned earlier, Shirley Jones and David Cassidy, they're the only members who perform on the record. Hmm. Now... Cassidy's the lead singer, and then Shirley Jones, who's been in musicals. She was in Oklahoma. Uh, the Music Man, she sings backup. Dang. Now, unlike the Monkees, the other actors, they weren't hired because they were kind of singing prodigies. No, they're just actors. So they never performed on the albums or in the show or whatever. Uh, this song was used twice in the first season of the show. Producers, well, the, you know, the kids and all that weren't actually performing, so they didn't really show them performing too much on the show. And then to kick it all, or to finish it all off here, in 1977, a young couple, this this song kind of became famous once again, because a young couple was ambushed by serial killer David Berkowitz, who son was no Sam. son of Sam. Very, very good. A.K.A. the son of Sam, while sitting in their parked car listening to this song and this song the scene is recreated and discussed in the 1994 thriller copycat Whoa. starring sigourney weaver and holly hunter hey that's a good movie never dude. seen it man that's a goodie that's a really good one i like that movie um this is terrible how long did this say number one three weeks oh. in 70 1970 I'm honest with you. I I didn't know a thing about the Partridge family until I started pulling this information. Mm -hmm. And there's not much to know. I think I love you, but what about... I mean, he really... Of course, you know, David Crosby, of course, but other than that, you know... David Crosby? Cassidy. Or David Cassidy. I'm sorry, David Cassidy. Other than David... David Crosby. David Cassidy. Other than that... I don't really know Shirley Jones, Danny Bonaducci. You're right; he's a mess. I remember he was like on True TV, like weird video countdowns, yes, or whatever. He was on some of those. He had a show that he was like breaking Bonaducci or something, and he would like it was following a, a crew following him around, and he was just getting really awkwardly aggressive towards people at like weird times, and then. They had this photo shoot where they had like a bottle that looked like a Jack Daniels bottle and had tea in it. And he was swigging it like <laughs> like it was real whiskey. It was the weirdest show. God, that was weird. All right. Are you ready for some yeah. Ask Us Anything? Sage, yeah. you get us out what we need to get out. It's been a weird hour, too. Let's finish it off with some uh, 
some real killer questions here. Hey, gang. Uh, what's something you should know how to do as an adult, but you have no clue? Um, like me personally? Yeah. I. Oh, boy. I can't explain insurance and how it works. I have no idea what's going on. I just pay the money, and hopefully they take care of me. I don't know. I, I, I've had a couple of times have to do some things with some insurance. That's, I guess, a life lesson. Ugh. Once you do it, you know. Yeah. Um, like, I don't really know how to tie a tie. That's one. Um, mm. I, I've looked it up one time on YouTube and did it that way, but I definitely don't have it memorized. Practice, man. Over and over and over and over. Now, when it comes to, like, buying a house, no clue. I have no clue. <laughs> now, but that's why you hire a realtor, right? Yeah, they walk you right through the whole thing. Sign here. Your life's over. Yeah. Just let them do it all. I don't really trust people, though. Yeah, hand know. it off to somebody I'm expecting somebody else. to just get screwed over hand, somewhere. Hand off one of the biggest moments of your life and most important thing to somebody else. Don't worry about it. Well, guys, um, do you have one more we can quickly squeeze in? Do you guys have anything to add to that, Troy? No. Troy, is there anything you would uh, eat for 50 years straight every day? No. <laughs> There's a guy that... He's been drinking Diet Coke for 50 That's years straight. Uh, okay, only about 30. All right, for Sage, DG, Troy, Mitch, we're out. Go Cats. See you tomorrow.